I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror cult. Exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. So I've never, and I when I say never, I, I mean put an underline under that and put all caps lock and all that shit on it. I never have liked the original film, It, the TV series. Never, never once, even remotely, did that limited event, miniseries, TV movie, movie of the week thing do a single shred of anything for me. Um, (laughs) I remember a few years back, because I have it on VHS. I think I found it at like a Goodwill for 25, 50 cents or some shit like that. Sure. And I decided to uh, rewatch it uh, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, whatever. And I couldn't get halfway through that movie <laughs> did you ever like that movie mark i here's the thing i think this is one where uh it's one where you know it's the ash effect if you will everybody remembers tim curry from the original movie as it uh, pennywise but i bet you they are hard pressed to tell you anything else about the miniseries so because it's so fucking dull it 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 is not exactly the but i remember first watching it chris i was very young at the time and i watched it because it was tim curry i'm like all right tim curry great and he was scary clown great and that was the most enjoyable part of the film as far as the story and stuff goes um it gets into 30 something territory which i know i'm dating myself but if anyone ever uh, saw the show 30 something it was when my parents watched my mom watched a lot and <laughs> yeah you know a lot of a lot of uh, midlife crisis type things and regrets and such but yeah the i think everybody remembers pennywise you know and tim curry's performance as it and that's what they hang on to, and that's what sparks in their memory. But as far as the show, yeah, if you sit down and watch it, it's not really a great miniseries. It, it is a bit slow. <laughs> well, it's also really low budget. The acting yeah. is atrocious. Mm-hmm. It, there's, there's nothing about it that screams, man, this is a classic of the genre. You know, the, the book was a, a tremendously huge bestseller, and I, I don't claim to be a historian or expert on any of this in any capacity. I mean, I used to read Stephen King quite a bit way back in the day. I used to carry around Stephen King's Night Shift and Dan's Macabre with me everywhere I went when I was younger. And I always gravitated, uh, gravitated more towards his short form stuff than his long form stuff. And the prospect of reading that 1200 page tome that was labeled it was just never going to be in the cards. Did you ever read that fucking thing? No, I didn't. Uh, I've read some King. I used to read a lot. Surprisingly, I actually used to read a lot when I was younger. Uh, Not so much now, Uh, but I read some King. And I did not read it because, yeah, the the back then I looked at it going, eh, no, thank you. A little, little too long for my tastes. Did you read any of his other stuff? I mean, were you oh, ever yeah. 
a follower or what? Uh, not like a devout follower. I I read um, I read Needful Things, which I really enjoyed, and I read The Dark Half. Uh, both of those I was spurned to watch them because I knew there were movies coming out about them, which is why I watched yeah. them. Uh, tried to get through The Stand. Uh, <laughs> I think we all have it sometime. <laughs> I think I got about a third of the way through the stand and I was just like, this is too much like work. Uh, yeah, no shit. Anything, anytime. And that's probably why I never even decided, like even came into the realm of consciousness uh, in my brain of reading it is because you look at the thing and it literally looks like if you you put legs on all the corners, it would be a table. Right. I mean, this thing is just ridiculous. <laughs> and the stand is the same way. It's no different. So I remember I at least tried the stand because everyone and their mom was telling me, you know, it's the greatest book. It's one of the you know greatest literary achievements of all time, blah, 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 blah. I only ever got, I think, maybe 150 pages into that thing. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where certain books I I, I enjoy. I enjoyed his book, Cell, uh, which um, got the movie treatment with John Cusack which and, and uh, Sam Jackson. And it was OK. The book was better. Uh, but it wasn't a thick, longer one of his, you know, massive tomes like it and uh, the standar. You know, those are just you're committed. I mean, when you sit down to read those, you're really committing yourself to something. And and for me, I'm just not a huge reader, so it's like, uh, you know, four, three, four hundred pages, I'm good. You know, over a thousand, really. You know, uh, and then he updates. You know, like the stand he used to update every so often because he put cultural updates all of them man yeah he put like references in them and so he'd go back and and update the references so they're a little bit more relevant but i've read some of his stuff i like his writing uh you know and i'm a huge fan of huge fan of maximum overdrive uh that's like stephen king light for us folks who don't like to read so uh, but i like his characters and such you know which is what i liked in it too uh, the movie, um, you know, the character, you can see that, feel that Stephen King feel to the characters, at least. You now, see which, that, which it are we talking about here, Mark, the movie? The, the, uh, the, the new one, uh, it, you know, but similar, you got similar feel like that from Stand By Me as well, um, you know, which which he wrote under his pseudonym, uh, which is actually what the dark half was about was when he got outed as Richard Bachman. I used to read those Bachman books all mm-hmm. the time. I love those things. I thought those were some, I still think those are some of his best work. Oh yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, you know, I, I've read the the um the Stand by Me and uh, you know, uh, Running Man as well. Yeah, yeah, I think he wrote better under Bachman than he did under under King. Um, well, he wasn't tied to genre at that yeah. point. So, I mean, when you had stuff like Rage, did you ever get an opportunity to read that? No, I didn't. I must have had one of the early editions of the Bachman books because mm-hmm. Rage is that one story that's, uh, you know, it got pulled after the Columbine massacre. Oh, it's sure. The kid that goes to school and basically shoots up and, and holds uh, a classroom hostage. Mm hmm. And it's it's a brutal book and a really downer book. <laughs> it's, it's super heavy, but it's an amazing story that unfortunately, you know, I whether or not he had anything to do with, you know, 
these kids reading this and then going out and reenacting it and whatnot. It, it, time has kind of destroyed that for him, and he had to yank it out of subsequent, you know, publications of that book or whatever. But I always thought, you know, his Bachman books were far more interesting because he was able to break genre. He was able to go into sci-fi. He was able to go into drama. He was able to go into fantasy, uh, which at that you know early stage of his career, he have, hadn't really, I don't know if it was a, a conscious thing to have to be sticking to you know the horror genre and, and those kind of books, but I always loved those. I thought those were way better than the vast majority of some of the other stuff I remember reading was at the eyes of the dragon and thinking, well, what the fuck is this? And then <laughs> after a while, I kind of grew out of, um, I don't know if grew out of it is a, is a good way to put it. I just wasn't all that interested in reading his stuff anymore. Cause I think a lot of it started becoming a little too simple. Like his characters kind of started feeling the same over and over again after a while. And, um, I'm as a horror fan, I'm not super interested in externalized horror devices. And what I mean by that is like, I think early in my horror fandom, I was super into Freddy's and I was super into Jason's and I was super into, you know, pinheads and pumpkin heads and, you know, these icons of horror, these things that are externalized um, manifestations of things that bother us inside. But for the most part, there's no metaphor at all <laughs> in any of those movies <laughs> that would, would tie that to that. And Stephen King's always discussed how, you know, there's two types of horror and that he's written about two types of horror. And one's the, the internalized horror and the externalized horror. And that's also another thing about it that just at least the movie versions of it, because I can't claim in any way, shape or form to know a single fucking scratch about anything that goes on in the book, because I never opened it. I've never looked at it. I've never looked a word on the page, never planned on it. Um, but uh, the movies themselves just felt, or at least the first one, felt very superficial and not very scary, because I'm not into clowns. <laughs> I, I'm not scared by clowns. It's the same. Like there's certain things that I'm just not scared by in horror movies. Clowns, dolls, huge. Those are two. And those are two huge things right now. You got Annabelle uh, movies with mm -hmm. scary dolls. You got now you got it, which brings me to kind of the point of why I even wanted to do this tonight is um, obviously the new rendition of it has come out. We, uh, we all went and saw it this last weekend. And the big selling point of it is, other than pure nostalgia, is the fact that it's a scary clown movie, supposedly. <laughs> and what I wanted to talk about beyond the fact that, you know, as horror fans, we're all, you know, Stephen King fans. I think he's his work has permeated uh, every nook and cranny and crevice of horror ever since he start, he wrote Carrie and put that out. I, I mean, he's omnipresent. Almost everything he's done has been adapted in some way. You, you could even see influences. I mean, he, he influenced a lot and they try to do movies and some movies hit the mark like um, Carrie. You know, the original Carrie. I, I love that movie. Um, even Cujo. 
Cujo wasn't bad at all. You know, there's been some adaptations been really good, Pet Cemetery and that. Um, but some of his works, like the longer works, need the miniseries to be treated. Uh, but either case, you can see that influence from those books and that into other horror filmmakers, even of today. I mean, there's indie film guys now getting rights for short stories and stuff that Stephen King wrote that they can do movies based off of stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, so he's been around a long time, and, and you can see that influence. And, and now we have It, which is going to spark, if we didn't have enough already, even more clown horror everywhere. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about, <laughs> was, was the fact that much of his work, this whole long monologue I'm going on here, is much of his work has been overtly simplified to the point where a lot of the internal horror that he writes about has kind of been stripped away from it for these easily digest this easily digestible um, monsters to look at and point at. And we come to now this new movie, which uh, as of today, I'm looking at box office mojo has at least domestically has earned $132 million. Which is insane for a horror film. <laughs> so it, I, I've seen multiple posts on Facebook. I mean, once it got out there, um, I felt like a dude on an island where the entire world was basically rubbing themselves to this movie. <laughs> and I was like, I don't get it. What what is it about this that's so awesome? I don't I don't understand it. Um, but I started seeing posts about you know how much um, business this movie was doing, and then of course it says well all the major horror sites like bloodydisgusting.com and you know Rue Morgue and, and all the little guys start posting oh. $130 million. Oh, this is great for horror. This is going to, we're going to see nothing but an onslaught of great horror now, thanks to this. And I want to ask the question when a genre movie does this kind of business, which not many of them do this kind of business, since how this broke all the records, not only for an R rated uh, film, but for a horror film, um, does that really mean that we're going to be getting? a ton more good horror that I, that's something the moment I see those kind of posts, the, the contrarian in me wants to go, uh-huh. And really <laughs> let's, let's look back. What, what happened with Deadpool? Remember mm-hmm. when Deadpool broke that, that record mm-hmm. and all we heard about it was how now every superhero movie was going to be R rated. What did we get? we got Logan and then they, they fucked around with suicide squad and made it worse. (laughs) So I, I I wanted to present this to you, Mark, and maybe start this conversation of not only are we going, uh, is this going to usher in the new fad and horror, which is going to be creepy clowns, which makes me want to fucking gag. Um, But is the success of it, this astronomical amount of money that it's made this last weekend is this really good for horror? What do you think? Good for horror in that it may be a gateway film for people who may have been held off on horror, but kind of like, you know, horror movies, but they've liked Stephen King, but never really got into horror movies or those who might be curious 
about horror films. This could be a gateway film to get into it. You know, the, the optimist in me would say, I, I wish I could agree with these. Like, oh, yes, you know, this is great for horror and hundreds and, you know, it, this is a a unique beast <laughs> and i honestly don't think that it would have gotten as big of a reception and this is just my personal opinion and i if you see my review i did really really enjoy this film i loved it a lot for for wide release horror films this is one of the better ones in, in a while that come out but i honestly think the popularity with the casual fan is because of stranger things if, if you watch Stranger Things, people are a fan of Stranger Things. They love Stranger Things. And I just finally finished watching it. I hadn't watched it when everybody was talking about it. I waited till it died down, and I just binged What did you it. think of it? Uh, I thought it was slow getting off the ground. Once it did, I was digging it, and I was kind of disappointed when it ended because I was like... I, I'm actually digging, getting into this, you know, Matthew Modine is a bad guy. Hey, there you go. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 it took me a while to get into it a little bit. Cause I was like, what is exactly the hype? I was digging Winona Ryder's performance in it, but I'm like, you know, but by the end it, it had me a bit, but I watched it after seeing it, the, the wide release 2017 film. And I looked at it and went, uh-huh, this is I'm looking at this going, this is why probably part of it, it has created the success of it was because people dug Stranger Things and this film is handled a lot <laughs> like Stranger Things, even though it came before it. I know it came before, but still, I think for your general audience who may not exactly go to a horror film, they know the name, they know it's got a scary clown, and then especially if they hear people talk about early, like, you know, it's a bit like Stranger Things, oh, well, I'm going to go and see it then. Um, so, is it good for horror? Maybe in general, does it mean we're going to see a lot more? I'm with you. No, it, it's, it's, a, it's a unique beast, just like uh, Deadpool was. It hit a big, huge fan base, but it still didn't cause a whole slew of our superhero films like everybody thought it would, you know, um, because in the end of the day, it comes down to money and you don't always have a script that uh, producers are going to feel confident with when it comes to horror going. Yeah, we can make this rated R. You know, most studios, they love horror because it's made on the cheap. Mm -hmm. they, they get a great return. They throw people in it, maybe a name or two who's been in past horror for some time. Let's just toss them in there. You know, it's like that, like that piece of Texas chainsaw um, that came out <clears throat> with the uh, the uh, super glued T-shirt um, that, that came out a while back where they had promoted. <laughs> oh, you know, going to pull in all of us fans and all of us fans got in there and went, what the fuck is this shit? But then they already oh, had our money. Yeah, uh, but that yeah. movie was but that movie was made on the cheap relatively. And they made most of their bank back opening weekend. And it wasn't even in, I think it was like maybe number 10 or nine and, you know, grossing, but they made it cheap to begin with. So I, I don't, as much as I'd love to see this uh, launch more wide release R horror films, I think it's still a risk and they felt comfortable with this because of the name recognition yeah. and the nostalgia. I really I think. Do. 
Yeah, I think you're hitting the nail on the head right there at the end is that this is a, a very unique property. And the reason for its success isn't just because of Stranger Things. It's because of Stephen King. And it's also because in the last two years, we've had this onslaught and this building crescendo of creepy clowns. Mm-hmm. And the only way that this gets what it gets this last weekend is because one Hollywood is infatuated with regurgitating properties that people already know about. They don't take chances on anything else anymore. The only company that takes any of those chances anymore that get get out there into the megaplex. I'm not talking about independent films because we all know as horror fans and exploitation fans that independent films and underground horror films will always be there. There will always be good films. You don't have to worry about that. You're just going to have to keep your, your ear to the pavement and you'll be able to find those. But when we're talking, what we're talking about here is the stuff that has the potential of making these hundreds of millions of dollars. We're talking about stuff that hits the megaplexes. The only company I see right now that is dedicated towards horror the Bloom House and the Bloom House Tilt that mm-hmm. have a, a business model of like million to five million dollar um, ho- uh, films, genre films. They seem to know what to do. They seem to get it. But stuff like this, this is this is an anomaly. Yeah. Let's look at just within the last year, Mark. What were the big box office horror films that came out? We're talking uh. about. Spooky clown, uh, spooky uh, house movies, yeah. Spooky doll movies, mm-hmm. just ghosts movies. We're talking about baby horror, and what I what I term baby horror now, which unfortunately, I in my opinion about the new it doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter whatsoever. That to this conversation, it doesn't mean a thing, and I'm not super interested in dissecting the movie itself because I found it to be in entirely obvious and on the nose and kind of blah. But regardless of that, the vast majority of the stuff that we get at the multiplexes that everybody heralds, oh, this is so amazing for the horror audience and for the the community. We're going to get all this great stuff is all baby horror. (laughs) And baby horror is stuff that is not geared toward the regular horror fan. It is stuff that is jump scares and loud noises and things running past the screen. Mm-hmm. That's baby horror to me. And I I just see what's going to happen with this movie. Just give us numerous shitty knockoffs of more <laughs> crappy baby horror jump scare creepy clown movies. I I have no optimism for it because what happened the last time we had a big hit, which was um, which ushered in this new realm of, you know, the jump scare um, ghost movie. We had the the paranormal activities in the insidious movie and the conjuring. Yeah. Which ushered in this horrible era of spooky ghosts and dolls and crap like this. I mean, are you more optimistic about this, Mark? Because I'll tell you, I when I hear stuff like the success of this movie is great for horror, it sends chills down my spine because <laughs> I think that's a bunch of disingenuous bullshit. I, 
I'm not going to go that far. I'm just a realist. And and having watched many, many, many films, um, especially ones you that watch gone much to the, more than I do, especially I, the, the newer stuff. You watch a hell of a lot more than I do. I, I've watched a lot of newer stuff, mostly because of Movie Pass. I probably wouldn't have gone to half of it had I not had Movie Pass. Uh, you know, but it, it we all get hope that when something filmed like this, oh, this would be great. But you're right. It, it's it, this is a flash in the pan. I think people are jumping way too early on it. And it, it was a it was a safe risk for them to do oh, entirely, you, you know, because it's established. I mean, in the end, Deadpool, a lot of people like, oh, Deadpool, it's going to, you know, announce, you know, release a whole bunch of new R superhero films never mind we had our superhero films before yeah. deadpool you know but people were acting like that was the new bitch thing and don't get me wrong i love deadpool i thought it was great you know and you know maybe i did have a little optimism but you only got one logan and and the reason deadpool worked if people deadpool wouldn't even had come to fruition in all honesty if it wasn't for the internet and the yeah. quote unquote leaking of the test footage of deadpool short that they did had that not exploded on the internet in all honesty i don't think you get a deadpool or you don't get the deadpool in the form that it was you know they tested that you know, and there was an established fan base already. I mean, everybody's like, oh, this is going to be great for horror. Maybe bringing back properties we're already familiar with, but you're going to be hard pressed to probably find a good or, or find a producer from a big studio that's going to greenlight an R-rated original horror film. It's, you know. it's a tough sell. It's a tough sell. Yeah. unless Which is surprising to me why we haven't seen after, you know, the, the kind of box office that the remakes of Freddy and Jason and Freddy versus Jason and what they did, that we haven't seen a Jason movie every fucking year. That, well, that downright shocks me because, you know, those Jason fans out there and I'm included in this. Well, plunk plunk down that paper for that movie. Yeah, it it did surprise me. I thought for sure after we got those remakes, we'd be seeing a lot more of them, but we didn't. Uh, like you said, but honestly, I think part of the reason is if you look at those two properties, they're more famous for being R-rated horror, not PG thirteen. So those properties while they made some bank are still are. And in the end of the day, PG 13 has been for a number of years now with wide release and not just, not just horror, but comedy and action. Uh, PG 13 has been where it's at. That's, that's like what they shoot for, you know, and some of those properties, especially Jason and Freddie, they, you can't quite go to the places that people are familiar with for those characters in a PG 13 movie. Nope. So they don't still it's still a risk because those, you know, to do the story probably justice or to get the normal, you know, the, the big fans in, you would have to do R. But then they look at it going, well, then we're possibly, you know, uh, cutting out a fan base of more money, you know, and then you do a PG-13 one and then you may not get the original fans in because they're looking for that R rated story. <laughs> so, right. Right. You know, and I feel bad because I, I probably sound like some sick 
a-hole, you know, saying, oh, we need more R. But the fact is, watching a number of PG-13 horror film wide release, and it sounds weird, but you may, you might understand what I'm coming from, is you can feel the story really wanting to be R. <laughs> it can't go to the dark places. And we're not talking about gore. We're not talking about titty. We're talking about just darker themes mm-hmm. that horror does well. I mean, there are, of course, are good non R rated horror films. There's tons of them. Absolutely. But I think a lot of movies now, and I think you're speaking to this completely, is that a lot of them feel like cut downs. They don't feel like movies that were designed to be PG-13. They were designed to be R. I think that's entirely what you're talking about here. It, it is. It's it. You watch it. And especially if you watch a lot of horror in that, you're going, man, they, they re- you can just tell they really want to go to a certain place, but they, they never do. They, they either gloss over it or just completely skip by a certain subject where they could have gone. You, you see the opportunity where they could have gone to some really dark places and they don't. And it's interesting, we were talking about this because I saw a thread where from someone uh, who was talking about it and um, someone was complaining horribly about it, saying, wow, the, someone should investigate the director because of the camera angles they had on the young kids. And there was whole uh, the kids in their underwear scene. And it's a story, you know, they've got the girl who is being. Uh, why, why are people you know, so fucking annoying now? Why do we have to complain and like get outraged by every last fucking thing that happens? I I know I'm looking at this going. We should investigate the director because of how he shot these kids and the fact that we had this scene in there and the fact that it deals with this subject and you have a uh, uh, you know a bully in there who's committing felonies and I'm like that's fucking life, you piece of shit. (laughs) I'm just Jesus Christ. You know, and I, I'm just sitting here going it, investigate the director. I'm like the Stupid. whole the whole point of it, especially the kid part of it is is it's about fear and these kids who have this fear in real life of being bullied of being uh, molested by their dad, of being the outcast or whatever, all of that fear, it's about them over... Uh, by moving their fear towards Pennywise, they find strength to face their real-life fears. Wow, I'm going real deep here. I am sorry. No, it's. But, I mean, that's what the movie is about. I mean, that's it, 100% what the movie is about. You know, and you couldn't, you couldn't explore half the things that they wanted to explore... If it was PG-13 and the things that they explore in here are things maybe a little heightened, but are things that everyday kids do face. Maybe not to that extreme, but in some cases it is that extreme, you know, and and it just surprised me that they're sitting there going, oh, well, the the director's probably a a pervert or what I'm like. Because of the camera angles. No, like, Stephen King's a fucking pervert. Let's, like, let's be honest about that. <laughs> like King has been writing a King has been writing about abused children and children who suffer abuse and children who have gone through some pretty horrific real life things for years. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's just the fact that you have someone who is taking the material. And again, I haven't read all of it at all. I, I just couldn't. But given my experience with his past work 
I feel they were really trying to stay true to the source material. And King's stuff is disturbing. <laughs> it's just, you know, especially when he's dealing with kids. He puts kids through all kinds of shit in his in his books. Right. You know, and here it translating on screen. And, you know, people are welcome to their opinion, but I'm just sitting here going... I think, you know, maybe you're reading too much into it. And it could be because of the whole uh, this is coming out and there's still the uh, the fury over the Jeepers Creepers. Um, oh, gee. oh that's, uh, that that's a whole nother well, conversation. No, I, I know. Which, but yeah. but I think that I think that's influencing some people's perspective on it, you know, on this film and how it's being approached. Well, that's honesty, also you know? that also kind of speaks into what an anomaly that this is in general, because I think most uh, most studios are very skittish about ever since the the early 2000s in the outrages with Columbine and 9-11 and all this other shit that went down where horror became neutered completely. Mm-hmm. Um, studios have just been skittish with putting dark material out to the masses, which also brings me to, well, one, I didn't think it warranted R rating, to be honest. I thought it was on the very light end of an R, which was kind of shocking to me, to be honest. This could have been a PG-13 movie. I mean, cut out a few dick jokes, and I think this could have been a PG-13 movie. Um, But it, it... also goes into what we're discussing here is that really studios still aren't up for putting out darker and harder edged horror films at the multiplex, which brings me to part two of this conversation is that this in the grand scheme of things as a, as a horror fan and for the horror community doesn't mean anything because all horror movie is now all horror movies in general, the vast majority of them that are on a bigger scale are being made for streaming. Mm -hmm. Netflix is literally taking the reins and, and Amazon and picking up tons of independent horror films now. So do again, do we need this to be good for horror when horror is actually thriving. It's actually thriving more than it ever has on streaming devices. I mean, what are your thoughts, Mark? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think we necessarily any more. I, I agree with you. I, I don't think we necessarily need any more or even more influx of wide release horror films anymore. We used to, I mean, you know, when when you didn't have your direct, you know, your VOD, you know, streaming independent, you know, crepes, someone can start a YouTube channel and post their own independent horror on YouTube for the masses. Now, you know, back in the day, uh, coming to the white, that was about the only way you could get your horror is by then and then some, you know, video rental as well. But now this doesn't need it, it's great. Don't get me wrong. I love seeing genre films uh, uh, do well. Because genre films in general usually get uh, a bad rap for anything, either box office or whatnot, unless it's a comic book hero film. So don't get me wrong there, but is it needed? Do we really need more wide release horror, uh, R-rated horror or horror like this in the theaters? Uh, 
Not really. I mean, you can get it anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be neutered. Like we've just discussed, yeah. the vast majority of the stuff that hits the multiplexes is neutered. I mean, the stuff that they put kids through, especially when it comes to horror and horror and kids, um, it's that was one of the things that surprised me with it was some of the places it did go with kid actors because normally that is not looked well upon. That that makes producers skittish. <laughs> And usually doesn't hit well with audiences because no one likes to see nasty things happen to kids. And in here, this film, you know, kids, there's all kinds of nasty things happening to kids, uh, you know, but it's still a risk. And and yeah, it's still going to it's an, an anomaly. And I, it's I, I don't think we need more wide release art. If we get it, great. Don't get me wrong. But is it going to be good? <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll I'll take my I'll take my get I'll take my uh, um, get out and, um, uh, you know, uh, it's I'll take two really good horror films a year, you know, <laughs> no mature horror films. I'll, I'll take that a year in a wide and in, in the theater. And I'm good with getting the rest of my horror at, uh, you know, in a, on direct video and that because for me. <laughs> You don't have usually really good modern horror audiences anyway. No, and going to the movie theater for most of them sucks. It's terrible. It's it's a horrible experience. In like just to bring I I don't want to sit and keep harping on these movies being neutered on streaming and on demand. They are what they want to be. Yeah. It's the Wild West again. Yeah. So again, what, this stupid archaic idea that one movie's success is going to waterfall down into just the land of plenty for horror fans out at the Megaplex is a stupid idea. It's yeah, dumb. We are already there. It's already here. Be look beyond all of this baby horror shit. And there's just a plentiful amount. And most people, I think, complain that Netflix is a shithole. But there are so many better movies that come out to that platform and to other uh, platforms such as Hulu and Amazon On Demand, which you can rent and Vimeo On Demand and things like this, that really... I don't need the, to to see any big budget horror films at the theater. I don't. If yeah. there's one that gets there, cool. I'm cool with it. But I, the vast majority of the ones that I see at the theater suck a big one. <laughs> big time. I mean, seriously, it's super disappointing. And I, I should know better. And I know Andrew comes on the show quite a bit, always tells me, Derek, what are you expecting? <laughs> are you really <laughs> expecting something but i i guess i always want to give something an opportunity and uh i just get the i guess the the title of the show should be um social media triggers Derek into annoyance that should be what this <laughs> this episode is entitled because i swear i am usually a pretty mellow person but the moment i start reading facebook it just like Holy crap. Why do I open this fucking thing? Why? Why? 
Why? This is just like a spitting ground for people to be morons. I just can't stand reading Facebook anymore. And when I see these goddamn posts, it's success is great for horror from Brad Miska over at fucking bloody disgusting dot com. Oh, my God. That guy's been my personal Ebert ever since the early 2000s. Literally that anytime that dude. Uh, like something, I know I'm going to hate it. And every time he hates something, I know I'm going to love it. So um, <laughs> it just, oh, that, that just shit drives me bonkers. I know you get triggered a lot, mostly by the superhero stuff, Mark. I, I do. I do get triggered. Uh, I, I can totally recognize where you're coming from. For me, my, my trigger is usually the superhero films. And that's just because so many, you know, it wasn't just the Batman v Superman, but th- that was the like the pinnacle that really just, I think, permanently uh, got to me was the fact of people just shitting on a film before it ever came out and agreeing with critics that the movie was shit before they ever actually saw it. And for me, you know, I'm one of those where like you, you saw it and you didn't like it yeah. that, you know, I'm cool with. All right. That's cool. What always gets under my skin are people are like, oh, well, he said, you know, say it was, oh, they said it was shit. So, yeah, see, I knew it was going You're to be, idiot. you know, they, I knew it was going to be, be shit. And all these people are praising it for nothing. This guy right here, this one person said, oh, it, it's going to be shit. And, and they said they saw it and it was shit. So, see, I told you the movie's shit. Well, did you see it? Well, no, but they said the movie's shit. So it's shit. I'm like, no, if you see it and you think it's shit. That doesn't bug me. Okay, you got it. But there's a very large trend over the years, especially recently, where people will slam a movie and you can tell they haven't seen it, (laughs) you know, Uh, or they'll praise a movie and you can tell they haven't seen it either way. Either they're going for likes or attention or what. And that's what triggers me with social media is is the fact that, you know, you you get these things where you're just like, you have nothing to base your opinion on yet. You're talking as if this is fact, you, you know, I'll have reservations about a film. I'll fully put out that. Well, I saw the trailer and you know what? Eh, I'm not sure on that. You know, it was even like, eh, I'm not sure on that, but okay. And me, I had a fun time at the theater, but I can totally see where you're coming from with, uh, uh your feelings on it. And I could see where a lot of people who don't like it are coming from because as I called it, it was a decent popcorn horror film it's it's one made more a little i mean it's a little edgy for a mainstream audience and like you said it's not a neutered horror film like we've been getting the paranormal for so long um but at the same time this isn't good people watch this and then they're not gonna watch something like you know martyrs (laughs) well i don't expect them to but in no way shape or form i think this movie pulled way too many punches i i think they they by having pennywise the way he was in this movie they really missed the opportunity for making something resonant and really creepy because I think there were scenes like that opening scene with Georgie and a couple other instances where he was a menacing presence. And then the rest of it's just <laughs> running at the screen. <laughs> I fucking hate that nonsense. I fucking hate that nonsense. You, you don't like blurry face? Um, <laughs> fuck that shit. 
fucking baby bullshit nonsense. But anyways, no, I totally hear you, Mark. And um, I think, you know, we've we've kind of spoken our piece on this. I honest I, I come out as thinking that when I hear stuff that like its success is going to be great for horror, I call bullshit. I call bullshit on it. Horror's still doing fine. It's just not all the neutered horror you see at the megaplexes aren't doing good. It, it, Big whoop. You know, they might mean that it's going to do well at the the widescreen, but as we've pretty much beaten now the, the idea, that it's just, it's still a risk. This was a safe risk for them. It, yeah. it really was. It, it was. It was something that was material that everybody uh, knew, even those who never read the book knew who Pennywise was, <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, yeah. it, it was a pop culture reference that has carried through the ages uh, for uh, horrible, you know, lack of a better term. So this was a safe one. If you came to him with a original horror idea, good luck. I mean, get out. Don't get me wrong. I love get out. And that was a lot of fun. And I enjoyed that. And I still think that's probably uh, my favorite horror film of the year even though i really dug it um best at the megaplex for sure 100 for megaplex horror get out was still better and why i liked get out more why it edges out my enjoyment of it was because it was something original and different but it was made by someone who loved horror and you could tell and it was intelligent and it was intelligent Exactly. It was intelligent horror. And so for me, that's still my favorite wide release horror film of the year is Get Out. I, I love that film. And it's surpri- that was a surprise for me that they made it. And I think it's because of the popularity of the director who was very talented. And you learn that he's a horror geek in his own right. Um, because of the, the popularity and what he carried with him, the name recognition, he was able to get that film made. It was another one where it it was a name recognition. If you got some Joe Blow with a rated R horror film, it might be great, original great, but you're going to get most studio execs, I'm sure, out there going, well, can you cut it down to PG-13? Um, can you do this instead? Can, well, this is too edgy. We're not going to get, you know. In the end, there's still too many risks with a very original film that you're very unlikely, even though with the success of it, even with the success of Get Out, I still don't think it's going to start a trend. I, I really don't. And like yeah. I said, if I get one or two at the Mega, uh, Megaplex that are as good as this a year for a horror film, I'm fine with that because I can go to just about any other online source with my home theater system yeah. and get my real edgy horror, my original horror there. You know? Yeah. It's not gonna. It's not going to change anything. <laughs> it's not going to change anything. All it's going to do is ensure that part two gets made and that it right. has a good budget and they'll pull in some good actors for the old fart version of it. <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and let's wrap this up here. Mark, why don't you tell my listeners where they can find you on the internets? On the internets, uh, specialmarkproductions.com. That's where I've got links for most of my stuff. I've got a YouTube channel as well, Special Mark prod uh you go out to there and you can find my final cut movie review show where i do uh that's mostly what i do there in recordings for spoiler room though occasionally i post other things uh twitter's special mark pro as well you can follow me there uh that's best place to find my stuff awesome thanks for coming on mark and can you believe it 
I did a, a show about the new It movie, and I didn't bitch about it the entire time. <laughs> I did a pretty good job, Mark. <laughs> you were, you were, you held it together well. I am, I am very impressed, Derek. That uh, I'm I was growing fully... up, Mark. I'm growing <laughs> up real good. I, I fully expected it and figured it would would come out, but I, I'm impressed. And uh, no, it's it's yeah, it is what it is. You know, that's that's modern horror. It's it that's it is where it is. So. Uh, it's some baby bullshit. You can find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, YouTube, and anywhere podcasts are found. Please help us by subscribing rating the show, and giving us a review. It helps us get the show out to more listeners. Also, if you would like to hear more of the show and be a more active participant, join the Astro Radio Z Facebook group and page, and join the Patreon. For only one dollar a month, you get bonus episodes. Thank you for listening. See you next week, Astro Zombies. Sometimes it feels like a game of deadly hide and seek. And when you're reading this, then I will be gone. Maybe then you will see. Do you believe what you hear? Can you believe what you see? Do you believe what you feel? Can you Do you believe?